Today's episode of the two-man power trip of wrestling is dedicated to the life and memory of Matt Rosie on Hawaii. Hopefully people will look at my family and be like, you know, hey, they, they, it's what hard work gets you. Uh, you know, um, uh, but I'm just, I just hope people look and, and see that we that my family, you know, we give a shit about this business. We love this business. It's, it's, it's employed, you know, it's raised three, you know, three going on four generations of Anawais and Fatus. So, so yeah, I, I, I hope that everybody in the wrestling world understands that, you know, we're not just doing this for the hell of it, man. We were raised in it and we were privileged and blessed enough to to be a part of something like this, you know, there's no, not a lot of people, not a lot of people can, can sit there and, and, and say that they're part of something uniquely special. And that's what my family is in, in, in this world of, of wrestling is that we're, we're just a unique part of wrestling that, that uh, fortunately enough, I can, I can be proud to say I'm a member of. And you know that's just being involved in one of the in the biggest wrestling family in professional wrestling history. So that's that to me is uh you know it's done through uh, decades of work. You know this isn't just my my younger brother coming in. You know. I mean, we've been doing this for damn near 50-plus 50, 50 years. That's a long-ass time, you know? So, yeah. yeah, hopefully people just... Hopefully people can just appreciate our love for the business, man. Three minutes and we're out of here. The clock is ticking and we're in the clear. We got three minutes and we're out of here. We got three minutes and we're out of What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the Two Man Power Trip. Oh my God! This is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the Two Man Power Trip podcast. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Cody Rhodes, the Prince of Pro Wrestling, and you are listening to Two Man Power Trip. This is Jimmy Van the Boogie Woogie Man. Come on, people, my brothers and sisters, don't you dare miss John and Chad. Hey, everybody out there, this is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on the show again. I appreciate you asking me back. So you said you were going to pinch yourself. I didn't know it was that kind of show now. I mean, if you guys are in the privacy of your own home, if you want to do these things. Good. How you doing, Chad? Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Hey, man. What's up, guys? This is Homicide. Oh, that's my homie. Homicide with a big homie club. Yeah, that would be it. Hey, this is David Penzer, and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling. Well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, Mean Gene, I can't be beat. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that. And every kid up, they knew they could kick the out of me. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. 
They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling, and now they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two men power trip of between 450, 500 pounds. How is Duggan gonna get him over the top rope? Obviously, you'd have to do it, I believe, in some sort of fashion in which the gang's momentum is heading into the rope. And thus, with the gang's weight going into the rope, well, Duggan can get underneath, he'll go. There might be another way, too, what? if he can find the two by four. Wise guy. Somewhere around the 285 pound mark. Oh, yeah! Oh, he pulled the top rope down. I can't believe it. Out of all the people to win this thing, it's him. What a smart thing to do. Boy, was that smart. Hacksaw Jim Duggan drops the top rope on the one-man game. I can't believe he actually did it. The winner of the Royal Rumble, Hacksaw Jim this is the two-man power trip of wrestling and you are listening to episode number 260 of the two-man power trip of wrestling podcast a podcast that you can catch two times a week in any of the places that you get your podcast from whether it's itunes or player fm or tune in radio or my personal favorite podomatic.com and the podomatic app You never know who's going to be on the other end of the line when you listen to the two-man power trip of wrestling. And we continue that trend today. But first, let me say, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, the one and only John Paz. And as we get ready to embark on a huge weekend in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, at the Icons of Wrestling Convention, alongside Sean Waltman and alongside Eric Bischoff, and an NWO reunion going on in Philadelphia at the ECW Arena on Saturday April 22nd, we get ready for today's guest, who's also touring the Northeast this weekend, bringing his brand of stand-up comedy, featuring many, many stories from his storied career as the one and only, and we all have to do it together when we say this, but ho! That's right, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, WWE Hall of Famer, pro wrestling icon, and a guy that basically has transcended the professional wrestling business, as when you see that 2 by 4 and you see that American flag, you know that somebody's ready to get beaten up by the great Hacksaw Jim Duggan. And what is very cool about Hacksaw Jim Duggan and his stand-up comedy tour? Well, it's called the 2 by 4 tour, and I guess that's apropos because he'll have the 2 by 4 with him, And what he basically does and what a lot of the wrestlers are doing now when they do these spoken word tours is they take you on their journey and they kind of tell you the funny stories and the great anecdotes and kind of the colorful characters that they've come across as they've traveled to territories 
and dealt with different personalities, different bosses, and obviously Hacksaw Jim Duggan. There's no shortage of material when it comes to those topics for stories. I mean, this is a guy who worked for Bill Watts. He worked for Vince McMahon. He worked for Eric Bischoff. He's worked in all the major territories across the United States, uh, even spending time in Hawaii. If you remember back into the end of 2016 when we had on Mike Masters, They spent time together in Hawaii. So this is a guy who's been all over the country, all over the world, and really has so many great stories to tell in the 2x4 tours hitting the Northeast, first with stops in New Jersey, Western New York, Rhode Island, and Massachusetts. Head on over to KennyCasanova.com and get the tour dates and information and find out if the Hacksaw Jim Duggan 2x4 tour is going to be coming to your neck of the woods. But with that being said, John, I'm going to welcome you in here now. And why don't you talk a little bit about Hacksaw Jim Duggan, obviously just an absolute icon of professional wrestling, an absolute one-of-a-kind person. You're never going to see anybody like Hacksaw Jim Duggan again. But kind of touch on some of the finer points of the interview and what we have to look forward to with the tough guy himself, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Ho! Yes, Chad. Back again, the two-man power trip of wrestling, and we are on quite a roll as we bring Hacksaw Jim Duggan to our awesome roster here at the two-man power trip. Just unbelievable to be able to get to talk to the legend himself, the man running the 2x4 tour, like you mentioned, and that is Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Awesome stories from him. What charisma, what personality, what a nice guy. I just love how he could start off in that very serious voice and be very calm and then turn the switch, flip the script, turn the page and become that hacksaw Jim Duggan character we all know and love. And when he talks about the the tour, I just love it. he's like very serious. Well, if you're expecting this and then whoa and then ho oh, forget about that. When you know what you're expecting from the tour is not that hacksaw Jim Duggan. You're going to get that charisma. You're going to get that craziness. You're going to get that, you know, great huge personality that he has and I just love talking to him and it was it's kind of been a long time coming to be able to get a man of his stature on the show, but hey, we waited this long enough. We were we're fine with that. We're happy very very happy to get what we got out of him in this interview. Love talking about the WWF, of course. I mean, a lot of people will bring up the WWF. You know, so much of that, I guess you could say the everyday fan, the the, the fan that isn't, um, I wouldn't say, let's say the opposite of the hardcore fan. It's just the everyday, uh, run-of-the-mill fan. Of course, the WWF stuff, we talked about the feud with Andre the Giant. We got some good Andre the Giant stories. We talked about a feud with Ted DiBiase. We talked about Jake the Snake Roberts. We talked about a lot of different topics about the WWF. But for the hardcore fans out there, we had a great in-depth conversation about Mid-South Wrestling. We talked a little bit about Bill Watts, Bill Dundee's booking, all the characters that came out of Mid-South. Guys like Junkyard Dog, One Man Gang, Ted DiBiase, obviously Hacksaw himself. And we kind of just went into how important mid-south was to wb if you really think about it because they took a lot of their talent and they used them and they put them on the grand scale on the national scale and boom they became super huge megastars so mid-south was basically a huge awesome territory in its day and definitely a breeding ground for what vince would use as as ready-made awesome talent just boom a guy got over in mid-south boom he'd take him and he'd bring him over to the wwe 
like he said, first guy over, Junkyard Dog, he was there for WrestleMania 1, then Jake the Snake Roberts, WrestleMania 2, then all of a sudden Hacksaw was there for WrestleMania 3, and boom, there goes Mid-South by the wayside, obviously became UWF and then sold to Turner, but it wasn't quite the same as it was when it had all those huge names dominating, and Hacksaw obviously at the forefront, 1985 feud of the year against Ted DiBiase, Check out the Loser Leaves Town Cage match. We talked to Hacksaw in the interview about it. He loves that match. We love that match. And also check out a Loser Leaves Town match that he obviously loses against One Man Gang in Mid-South. So also check that out. But, you know, I could go on forever about Mid-South and just keep naming feuds or naming great matches. But I'm not going to do that. Um, But also in this interview, you will get the origins of Hacksaw, the, the nickname, um, basically the transition from the big Jim Duggan, from the convict, from you know whatever gimmick he was using to then become Hacksaw Jim Duggan. And then, of course, we get the origins of Ho and the origins of the 2x4 as well. So sit back, relax, enjoy this one, because this is awesome. He is the 1988 Royal Rumble winner, the first ever Royal Rumble winner that will go down in history, of course, and his name will be forever etched in Royal Rumble lore. Obviously, he is a WWE Hall of Famer, so he will go down in history as one of the all-time greats. And put this one right, write this one down. He will go down in TMPT history as one of our greats as well. Yeah, you hit the nail right on the head when you said that we've been trying definitely to get him on for a long time. He definitely fits in with guys like the Honky Tonk Man and Ted DiBiase and Jake the Snake Roberts and Hillbilly Jim and these timeless mid-80s WWF characters into the 90s, obviously, that we just absolutely loved growing up. But when you get a little bit deeper and you talk about Mid-South and you talk about Gritting his teeth out in Hawaii is just, it is so cool to be able to talk to Jim Duggan. So we really hope you enjoy this. And if you're in the Northeast, please go to KennyCasanova.com. Check out the dates for the 2x4 tour this coming weekend. And keep on checking back there to see if the 2x4 tour is going to be coming to your neck of the woods. And really go out of your way to see Hacksaw Jim Duggan. This is a fantastic look inside what the tour has to offer. And by the end of it, of course, John said it. I said we're going to say it a million times. Times and you're going to hear it a couple more times, but you're going to give a big ho at the end of it. But John, before we move on to get to the two-man power trip of wrestling business, we also want to remind you that this coming weekend, if you're in Philadelphia, get your butts down to the ECW arena, the 2300 arena, and come to the icons of wrestling and comic book collector fest featuring the NWO reunion. Sean Waltman and Eric Bischoff will be hanging out alongside the two-man power trip, and we'll be teaming up with the fine folks of Icons to bring the NWO reunion, also featuring Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, the Outsiders. So there's a photo op opportunity featuring these four together. Uh, Could be a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, but also Ric Flair is going to be there, Ricky Steamboat, the Hardy Boys are going to be there, one of their final indie non-WWE dates that they have left. Also, Rey Mysterio, and there's just so many great names that are going to be at this convention. So if you're in the surrounding area, get down to Philadelphia. Come check out the two-man power trip. And now, John, you can take it with some two-man power trip of wrestling business and get it on over to the Hacksaw Big Jim Duggan. And now for some TMPT business. 
Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip and at Wrestling Pal. Please visit our website, tmptofwrestling.com. That is tmptofwrestling.com. Subscribe to us on YouTube. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes. While you're on iTunes, check out the feed for some legendary episodes featuring the living legend himself, Bruno San Martino, the late great American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. Ray Mysterio Jr., Jeffrey McDivitt, Brutus the Barber Beefcake, Mr. Wonderful Paul Ondorf, AJ Styles, and so many others. Also, while you're surfing the web, check out WrestlingInc.com. Yes, that is WrestlingInc.com. They are the number one wrestling news source out there, so please check them out. Also, while on the internet, go to ProWrestlingKeys.com. Yes, ProWrestlingKeys.com is your superstore. If you are a super fan, and you can please check out our page while you're there, you can check out Tito Santana, Paul Orndorff, Coco Beware, Magnum TA, Buff Bagwell, and so, so many others. Follow along with the two-man power trip of wrestling in 2017 as we hit the road and we come to a town near you. April 22nd, we hit Philadelphia, Pennsylvania at the Icon Collectors Fest. Then, May 19th and May 20th, we hit the Mid-Atlantic Wrestling Expo in Richmond, Virginia. Then, follow us to New Jersey as we hit Legends of the Ring in Monroe. So please follow along with the two-man power trip of wrestling in 2017, because you never know where we may land. And now, without any further ado... A former WCW United States Champion, as well as a television champion. He is a 2011 WWE Hall of Famer. He is the 1988 Royal Rumble winner. Ho! He is Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Please enjoy. Today is a WWE Hall of Famer, a guy who literally could be one of the most iconic figures to ever step into the squared circle. And as he embarks now on a different kind of venture, we are so honored to be joined by the one and only, and everybody's going to say it with me when I do it, but a big ho as the great Hacksaw Jim Duggan joins the two-man power trip of wrestling. Thank you so much for joining us today. Well, my pleasure, and thank you very much for that introduction. That was great. But as you said, man, the first thing Hacksaw Jim Duggan has to do is give a big ho. 
kind of fires me up nowadays, you know, gets the blood flowing, gets the hair standing up, gets old Hacksaw ready to go. <laughs> and one thing we know about Hacksaw Jim Duggan is that when he gets going, he likes to beat people up, but we're not going to do that today. We're going to talk <laughs> about the 2x4 tour, which is invading the East Coast, the New York, New Jersey, upstate New York area. What are your thoughts on hitting the New York, New Jersey area for the 2x4 tour and bringing your brand of Hacksaw Jim Duggan Entertainment to the masses of the New York, New Jersey area? Well, you know, that's such a hotbed of wrestling fans anyway. That's why you have, obviously, so many uh, shows up there. But, uh, you know, and this will I actually have done the stand-up show in uh, four other countries besides America. It's amazing the appeal of wrestling around the world. But I tell folks, you know, I said, folks, if you want to hear some funny knock-knock jokes or jokes about your grandmother, then go somewhere else. <laughs> it's not that kind of show. We're going to, you know, tell wrestling stories about Andre the Giant. You know, I wrestled Andre 54 nights straight. Uh, road stories about Jake the Snake Roberts, who was the head usher in my wedding 30 years ago and probably would have been my best man, but my dad was my best man. Uh, rib stories about Brett and Owen Hart. I mean, just kind of a behind-the-scenes look at professional wrestling and a positive look. You know, so many folks hear about about my good friend Jake and, you know, the resurrection of Jake and, of course, Scott Hall and all these guys that had all this trouble. For me, it's been a great business. You know, I've been doing it since 1979. I'm still out there doing stuff nowadays. And, uh, you know, I've been with my wife for over 30 years. I never had to go to rehab for booze or drugs, even though hey, it was the 80s. I did a lot of both. I can't say I didn't do a lot of both. Uh, no felony arrest, a uh, few misdemeanors, but again, it was the 80s and probably the most popular arrest in wrestling history, me and the Sheik. But, uh, but overall, it's been a great business for me. So I put a kind of a positive look at wrestling instead of all that negative stuff you hear all the time. And it works perfectly because you're one of the most beloved figures in the history of the wrestling business. I mean, whether it's the flag over the shoulder or the two-by-four, you know, you were always one of the most popular guys. Even when you tried to maybe portray a villainous character, I think that the fans always took to you for certain aspects of what you brought to the table because you were so rough and tumble and you were so real. But I also don't want to leave out our friends up in Massachusetts and Rhode Island who will be getting the two-by-four tour as well because that, again, another huge hotbed for the WWF in the 80s. And really, this two-by-four tour almost mirrors what a house show loop could have been for you back in that day because there's so many great towns that you're going to be hitting. Yeah, it's amazing. And, you know, that was kind of the golden age of wrestling. I do a lot of uh, autograph sessions, a lot of Comic-Cons, which are a bunch of fun. Uh, New York City one I did last year, which was great. But it's amazing how many folks come up and say, you know, I don't really watch wrestling that much, but your guys there, you know, with Hulk Hogan, Macho Man Savage, uh, D.B. Hossie, the Million Dollar Man, Jake, you still named 10 guys without thinking about it, you know? And, uh, I was just privileged to be part of that era, and it was a it was a great time in the business. It, it really wasn't a job; it was a lifestyle, and I think that's why so many folks are interested in our business. Even people that aren't wrestling fans, you know, sometimes I'll get on an airplane sitting next to a businessman, and somebody asks for an audience. He'll go, oh, "You're a wrestler." He goes, "I don't watch wrestling," but they're always intrigued about our business. It's a, a unique business. And uh, this is an opportunity for folks to ask questions. You know, we're going to do a meet and greet before the show, get to meet the folks. 
have them ask questions and, and just a good time out. I said, you can go have a lot of fun, interact with the people, ask questions, do some hoeing, ho USA, or go sit in a movie for a couple of hours. I mean, it's a fun, unique night out. Absolutely, and they can go to KennyCasanova.com to get all the 2x4 tour dates, and we'll definitely give that plug out again at the end of the show. But when you talk about being a larger-than-life character, I mean, we could just, like you said, name 10 people off the top of our heads that we've talked to with the same question, and that is, is it the larger-than-life characters that are missing from today's wrestling that kind of take away from the feel of us wanting the old-school wrestling to come kind of back into what we're watching today? Yeah, I, I think that was a moment in time, you know, the old WWF. That was just, I mean, Davy Boy, Dynamite, Warrior. I mean, it was just a unique, very unique time, and I don't think it'll ever be matched. And a lot of folks are critical of the product. Uh, but, you know, I was down in Orlando with WWE, and there was, what, 80,000-plus at the, at the Citrus Bowl. So, so somebody's watching the show. Oh, my gosh, yeah. And actually, kind of funny you say that because I guess the real last larger-than-life character to be in current WWE would have been The Undertaker, and you saw The Undertaker coming in through the front door, and now actually you being there, you saw him walk out the back door and kind of end his career. But if you can, can you comment on The Undertaker's retirement and being there, watching that? As, like I said, you also saw him come in all the way back in 1990. Yeah, I, I actually worked with Undertaker and Paul Bearer quite a bit when he first came in. Matter of fact, that's one of my uh, highlight stories of my stand-up show, uh, talking about what a stand-up guy uh, Undertaker has been his whole career. Probably the best run, no, not probably, the best run of any wrestler ever. I mean, you know, you might debate who's a better wrestler, this and that, but the guy that had the best run ever is, is the Undertaker. Uh, and it's hard to find somebody to say, say something bad about the guy. Uh, and I, I was privileged to be in the ring with a big guy in the early days and when he was still learning his craft. And uh, it, sometimes it could have been a struggle, but he developed into one the best ever uh, in wrestling. It was sad to see him go. I tell you, I, I'm sorry that that streak. I'm like everybody else. I'm sorry the streak broke and all that stuff back in the in New Orleans. But uh, yeah, there's there's really only one Undertaker, and I think there will only be one WWF time in in wrestling. The, the, the product now is different, but uh, still entertaining. And you know, uh, the guys are very respectful. I think they're more professional in our day. You know, they may even be better athletes. Uh, than, than we had in the WWF, but I don't think they're as creative and as unique as the guys in the W. I mean, backstage in the WWF show, there was it was a cast of characters, to say the least, with Iron Sheik sitting there and Junkyard Dog walking through. I mean, uh, it was a, a unique dressing room, and, and that's why the stand-up does so well all over the world. Folks still remember that era and are, are curious about it. Literally, we can't get enough of it. I mean, it is like uh, every every time we hear a story, every time we talk to somebody, it's always something new that puts a smile on our face because we just we thrive on that. We love that time frame. But you know, you talk about stories with the Undertaker. You mentioned Andre the Giant. You know what what is it putting together a show that you want to like bring to the forefront? Is it the stories? Is it the fan interaction? You know, what is the most that you get off on when you put these shows together? Uh, and then watch it actually all go through as you're on the stage and, you know, you see that fan interaction. Well, you know, that's always been my, you know, highlight or my, my thing with the fans. I think that helped my longevity. Folks saw that it wasn't uh, them putting the flag on Lex Luger and say, say USA. When I was out there waving that flag of our country and I was chanting USA, people knew it was coming from the heart. 
And that's why back in the WWF, which was my, my heyday, I wrestled DiBiase, Dusty, and Orton. But then I came back in the WWE on a talent contract. I wrestled DiBiase's kid, Orton's kid, and Dusty's kid. I said, first I beat up the old man, then I beat up the kid. Oh! <laughs> Starting to fire up now, brother. <laughs> but no, I... Yeah, I enjoy uh, talking with the fans. That's why I like to have a meet and greet before the show. Because, you know, after the show, folks have stuff to do and stuff. So I'll be there before the show and uh, talking to folks, taking pictures. And, uh, you know, it's it's a fun time. But, uh, yeah, I, I, people ask me, aren't you, don't you get nervous talking to folks? I said, it's like talking to a room full of old friends. I mean, the folks are all there are wrestling fans, or the majority of them, or at least curious about wrestling. Uh, and it, it's a receptive audience, and it's it's fun at this stage of my career to come out and have the place going ho and chanting USA, and uh, it's it's humbling to be remembered this way. Now I gotta ask this because you know you made that great point about Luger being the USA guy and everything else. The fans have meant so much to, to your career, and it's funny you can have one guy do one gimmick and fans don't react to it, but it's. Guys like you who have that charisma and the fans just get behind it, you just say ho, and you get 20,000 people chanting ho. What is it about well, Hacksaw Jim Duggan that has the fans, you know, so enamored with him? Well, I think it's just being genuine. Hacksaw is, is part of Jim Duggan. I mean, it's just an extension of my personality. And I, I, I saw it in another guy. I tell you, when I first met Daniel Bryan, I said, there's no way this kid's going to make it in our business. There's not a chance. But there's the guy that had the work ethic, the desire, the hustle, and he, and he made it work, and he was genuine, and the fans got with the yes, yes, yes. It was kind of like a ho, ho, ho. Uh, I, I saw a lot of uh, the genuineness in, in that young man uh, that, that helped me uh, for 30-plus years. Because, you know, that's, that's one thing excuse me, a lot of folks don't appreciate about, appreciate about wrestling, you know, is how competitive it is. You know, I, I do autograph sessions and stuff, and the kid will come up and say, you know, I want to be a WWE wrestler. And I use Daniel as an example. I said, chase your dreams, because who would have ever thought Daniel Bryant would have made it? But realize there's 1,500 NFL football players playing this year. There's 700 NBA basketball players. There's maybe 100 WWE wrestlers on contract. you got a much better opportunity to play in the NFL than you do working for WWE. It's television. It's more competitive than sports, and people don't see it that way. Absolutely, and it's not just kids from our country. You got guys from Japan, Europe, Australia. Everybody is after my job. Where's my two by four? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, and it's so true with Daniel Bryan. The yes got over, like ho got over. Where did ho? Where did you get that from? Where does where does that come from? Well, I joke. I said, you know. I, one time I was out there with my two by four and I got a big giant splinter in my thumb and I went, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I don't, I don't know. It's kind of like flares. Woo. Or even one man gang had a yell going for a while. It was just a way to back in the mid South when I really started to develop the hacksaw character. Uh, it, it's, uh, it was just a way for me to interact. I was a heel. Actually, I was interacting with the fans and I yelling at them. They started yelling back. And when I made the switch, when uh, DiBiase hooked up with Skandar Akbar, I, I started carrying the American flag, and uh, the whole just stuck with it. Mid-South, like you mentioned, so many great guys. In passing, we almost mentioned, like DiBiase, one-man gang, who really cut their teeth, and yourself cut your teeth in Mid-South. What was it like in that territory? Because going back and watching it, 
Dundee's booking is awesome. Bill Watts, his creation is awesome. It's like one of those territories you just go back and watch like, wow, this had so much influence on professional wrestling, and maybe a lot of fans don't know it. I think the uh, hardcore fans, and of course, the library that the the WWE Network has opened up my generation of guys to a whole new, I have a whole lot of young kids come up, oh, I love the Axe on the show, or Legend House. The network is great, and they get all the uh, libraries. I don't know what percentage of WWE Hall of Fame guys came through Mid-South, but an awful lot of them. It was a great training territory because you'd wrestle nine, ten times a week. You know, a lot of traveling, but, you know, we were all a bunch of young guys. And you go to Shreveport and you'd do a show and you'd party. You drive down to New Orleans, you'd do a show and you'd party. Over to you. I mean, we were just a bunch of young guys having fun on the road. Uh, but uh, there was not only a great place to learn to wrestle, but Bill Watts was very critical of your interviews. So you learned to talk on the microphone too, which is a lost art nowadays. You know, uh, but uh, he would not have you do one generic interview. He would have you do interview after interview till you got it right. And an example of you know going up to WWE, uh, I went up and I had this young man come up and go, uh, "Hacksaw, here's your verbiage for your interview." <laughs> and I look at him and I'm looking at the piece of the paper and I'm like, "How's some punk kid going to tell Hacksaw Jim Duggan how to cut his interview?" And they're like, "Well, this is what we want you to say." And I'm like, "Well, send me my check, okay." <laughs> but I have a whole new respect for those guys to deliver lines and actors. That's that's. A lot harder than it looks because I, I was very robotic trying to deliver lines. Where instead of saying "Go out there, be hacksaw, and cover this base," boom, I go out. I was I was losing all my mannerisms, my hacksawness, uh, trying to remember lines. So, uh, but that's a, a new generation and a new uh, wrinkle to the business. Definitely different, and it's great that Watts kind of was, you know, giving you guys a great place and to kind of learn your craft and, and learn the promos and stuff like that. But with Mid-South, some of those feuds were just amazing. Your feud with Ted DiBiase, 1985 feud <laughs> of the year. We had Ted on about uh, not too long ago, and he said the best gimmick match ever was your loser leaves town match versus him. Oh, yeah, inside the steel cage with a coal miner's glove dressed in tuxedos. And I always said, I said, Ted DiBiase may be the greatest technical wrestler in the sport. But he can't fight a lick. And when you're in the ring with Axel, it's going to be a fight, DiBiase. But it was great because Teddy is a very GQ kind of guy. You know, he's like Flair. He could be on the road for a week and he still have creases in his pants, you know. And, you know, Teddy was really debonair. That million-dollar man gimmick wasn't a stretch for him. Where you know, I'm in a pair of sweats and sneakers running through the airport. And uh, so it was a great contrast, and he was a technical wrestler. I was a brawler. You know, people always say, well, Hacksaw, what's your favorite move? So well, I, I kick and punch. Uh, what are you talking about? <laughs> but uh, so we had, a, we had a great feud down there, and we did, uh, did huge business. Oh, yeah. You, that feud is awesome. If anybody uh, wants to see it, go out of their way to watch that Loser Leaves Town match. And like you said, you know, you're a brawler, and you started carrying that two-by-four. Where's the idea come, and where's the inspiration come for carrying that awesome two-by-four, which is so, def- you know, definable with you today? Oh, I tell you, it's it, it's great. I, I do a lot of Comic-Cons. I sign a lot of lumber. Folks bring in a lot of two-by-fours. We have them for them. But, but uh, I came back, uh, I started off as a big Jim Duggan. You know, that didn't work. I wore a mask for a while. That didn't work. I wore fur for a while. That didn't work. 
So after bouncing around from Texas to New York to Hawaii to Georgia to Florida, when I went to the San Antonio Territory, that's where I developed, I uh, changed my name to Hacksaw from Wild Man Duggan to Hacksaw Duggan. I dropped the fur and uh, just went to Hacksaw. But anyway, as a heel working with Bruiser Brody, who was very influential in my career, Brody and, and Buck Robley, who were both dead, uh, as many of the boys are. But anyway, uh, just getting back and forth to, from the ring in West Texas was very dangerous. It was long before sports entertainment. You know, they had a waiver. If you wanted to try one of the wrestlers, you signed the waiver. You get up in the ring, then you could try us, you know. So we'd have every local tough guy coming in the ring with you. So it was a whole whole different business. So just getting back and forth from the ring was dangerous. People spit on you, and they kick you and punch you. Some guys got stabbed and maced and stuff. So I'm I'm sitting back in the dressing room all covered with uh, loogies and bruises. And Brody comes in, he looks at me, and he goes, Duggan, he says, if you carry something to the ring, carry something you can use. Forget all those feathered boas and sequin robes. And shoot, I just looked down and there was a two by four. I said, well, here's a piece of wood. <laughs> and I went out yelling, waving that piece of wood. It was like part in the Red Sea. Them people scattered. They were scared to death of me. <laughs> Nobody punched me, kicked me, or spit on me. And I've been carrying it ever since. That is awesome, and it's so definable, and it's so great that you, like you said, like you go to the autograph signings and stuff, and you have it. I actually have one from a couple of years ago. You signed it for me. It's awesome. It's just, it's unbelievable. It's like wow, I have a, I have a two by four. Yeah, it's a nice. Yeah, it's a nice little keepsake, and of course, you know, I used to travel, you know, with Jake all the time, and I'd walk into an arena, and I could, could somebody find me a two by four and get him a ten foot python. You know, <laughs> he had to drag that snake around wherever he went, and. I could pick up a board, you know. I've been known to be out back breaking up a pallet trying to get a piece of wood before a show before. <laughs> now, true hardcore fans, they remember Hacksaw from Mid-South. He, I mean, obviously became a star there. But obviously so many, you know, some of the you know regular fans, I guess you could say, know you from the WWF, know you from your time with Vince Jr. Do a lot of people still talk to you about winning Royal Rumble in 88 and kind of how big the Royal Rumble has become. Your name is attached to that Royal Rumble forever. Yeah, that's obviously the huge feather in my cap. So I was never, you know, world champion or tag team champion or intercontinental champion. I was lucky to win a match, but uh, to win that Royal Rumble. I mean, yeah, that's, it's definitely a, a trivia question that people always get right. It seems that it, it keeps my name out there. And, uh, of course, now this this thirty year coming up, it's it's going to be a big one, and you know it's exciting to be part of it. And I don't think you know back then people said, "Well, what you think?" And I said, "Well, back then we did the show, we got in the car, we drove off, and we did another show." And nobody realized how big the Royal Rumble would become, or nobody would realize how big the actual you know WWE would become. Uh, since I've been wrestling, uh, and most of it with WWE, I've wrestled in every state in the union every province in Canada, in 30 different countries. It's an amazing appeal of wrestling around the world. I, I always joke with the NFL guys at charity golf tournaments and stuff. I'm like, uh, world champions. <laughs> Where in the world have you boys been? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great point. Yeah, the, the world champions of a uh, very small uh, geographical region 
uh, at least. But, you know, you talk about the WWF era. You know, you might be, for the Royal Rumble, you might be the most uh, surprise uh, entrance also in a Royal Rumble. But your day, you know, you said tough guy all the time was loaded with tough guys, whether it was Haku or whether it was Andre or whether it was a guy like Bad News Brown. You'd always be in there with some of the toughest and really most, you know, aggressive guys that, uh, that Vince had. But are there any guys that you really liked working with or had the misfortune of not wanting to work with because of that, you know, stiff and rough and tumble nature? Uh, yeah, it, actually, it was a snake pit of tough guys at dressing room. There was not a, there wasn't a, hardly a weak link in there. If there was, you would get ate up. I mean, everybody knows, anybody could beat anybody on pretty much any given day if you got the first one in. I mean, so there was that uh, mutual assured destruction. Nobody's going to walk away clean. And that's why everybody got along in a very high-pressure situation. Uh, of course, there was a few flare-ups, but relatively not many considering all the deal. But, you know, Haku, has, you know, I've known Haku for 35 years, and he's known as one of the, the toughest men in our business. Um, of course, and you know, barbarians right up there with him. <laughs> and uh, but anyway, uh, to to work with, uh, I enjoyed DiBiase. I think any of the second generation wrestlers, guys like Kurt Henning, uh, Jake the Snake, uh, DiBiase, guys who grew up in the business are just a little more polished. They understood. I didn't start wrestling. When I was 25, coming out of a football background. I really wasn't a big wrestling fan growing up. You know, so when I first started wrestling down there with Fritz von Erich at the Sportatorium in Dallas, they're like, uh, Big Jim, uh, this guy's going to beat you in 12 minutes. And I'm like, well, shit, I can beat him. <laughs> I know I can beat him. <laughs> and of course, the guy I'm working with is like, oh, Jesus, help me. <laughs> so funny, I saw Mr. Wrestling Number 2 at a uh, wrestling convention. You know, he used to wear that white uh, mask. And I, you know, when I first started working, I didn't know what I was doing. Boom, and I potatoed him hard. And there was a little red dot in the mask, and it kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Pretty soon, the old mask was all blood. So I seen uh, wrestling two at a, a convention. I said, two has gone full circle." He said, "Now I now I got the young guys beating the hell out of me." <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I, said, no, I do. I, I still do a few indies. I do some stuff with WWE. This is you know at uh, 63 years old. I have no physical attributes left. But I can still entertain a crowd, and it's more to being out there and taking bumps back and forth than, uh, you know, telling the story, having a little ring presence, interaction with the fans. And, uh, you know, the, the, there's more to the show. But, you know, I do the indies, and the young kid comes up, 6'5", 300 pounds, you know, 25 years old. He's like, Mr. Duggan, are we on TV tonight? And I'm like, oh, I hope not, son. Try to take it easy out there, kid. <laughs> Yeah, when you walk into a locker room, I'm sure it's like almost a hero worship now because there's so many uh, the kids, you know, the generation like us who uh, grew up watching you that now idolized you for so many years, and they get to work work with you and look across the ring at you. It's a little bit of uh, stars in the eyes, I think, you know, when they see Hacksaw Jim Duggan standing across the ring. Well, I I enjoy doing the indies because they're the kids that love the business. You know, they have regular jobs. They're spending their money on their gimmicks and their gear. Taking a chance on hurting themselves out there, breaking their necks in high risk moves in front of you know, relatively you know good crowds at high school gyms, National Guard armies around the country. There's a lot of good independence all around the country, and then there's some decent you know like a Tommy Dreamer's deal or big time out of Boston. There's some other companies that stand head and shoulders above the, the smaller indies. But even you know, I was just with uh, 
show in uh, Little Rock, Arkansas. They probably had, you know, 600 people in the building for 500 people. Everybody in the place was chant USA. You know, people say, actually, you get tired of it. I said, tired of it. It's my life's blood, you know, standing out there in front of those folks, everybody yelling and cheering. It's, it's great to do it. It's great to see the young guys that love the business that are fighting the odds to get that Daniel Bryant-type break. Because, like I said, you got a better chance of playing in the NFL than being a WWE wrestler. Oh, yeah, without a doubt, a thousand percent. You know, when you talk about the WWE wrestlers and when you think about your era, too, the funny thing, and we're tying it back to Mid-South a little bit, you can kind of run down the Mid-South crew. You look at, you know, guys like in the Rat Pack, you, DiBiase, Matt Bourne, and then even going a little bit further, One Man Gang, Butch Reed, you know, all these guys that were with you in Mid-South were also with you then in the WWF after Vince kind of, you know, took over the territories. Was that kind of cool for you to see all those guys who had made the uh, the Mid-South territory what it was now being under the Vince umbrella, where obviously that's where you guys then became those huge, you know, superhero-like personalities because you had that marketing machine now behind you. Well, you know, we're all close down there. We did a lot of traveling, and uh, WrestleMania started. And Junkyard Dog, he came up for WrestleMania one to WWE. You know, WrestleMania two came around. Jake the Snake went up for WrestleMania two. Jake calls me, he says, Duggan, you need to get your butt up here, man. So, boom, I gave Vince a call. I came up for WrestleMania three, But I think people just saw it as a business and an opportunity to make more money. And uh, you could see the writing on the wall that the WWE was going to be the powerhouse company. And so uh, that was Vince's game plan to go around to the small territories, get the top talent, and bring them up to WW and take off and be a global power. Yeah, and that it was. And this is a very nerdy question here. I always wonder now, WrestleMania four, you and Ted DiBiase were an opening round match. And to have your blood feud, what it was in Mid-South, be the opening round match in a WWF tournament, did you guys kind of laugh at that? That you guys, you know, you closed your feud in the biggest way possible in Mid-South, and Vince had you guys in a, a championship tournament, but as the first match on the card. Is that something you guys kind of, you know, chuckle about, that Vince didn't always accentuate those other territories? He kind of made his own spin on what everybody was doing? No, I, I, at least myself. I don't know about Teddy, but, no, I was, uh, you know, just moving on. Yeah. Glad to be part of the big show and being a part of WrestleMania and, yeah, what had happened in the past it was had come and gone. So, uh, yeah, I didn't look at it that way. I just looked at it as an opportunity to uh, shine on further. You know, <laughs> don't worry about the past, brother. And then obviously you get to basically tease the little feud with Andre there, and then eventually, like you said, you got to work with Andre all those days in a row. What was it like on the road with a guy like that? You know, obviously he was good friends with you, but – there's some stories of him not liking some people and him putting down a good amount of beer. Yeah, I mean, you know, Andre, of course, he was a giant. You know, the big show is a well-proportioned big man. Uh, I tell folks, have you seen the movie Princess Bride? <laughs> Perfect casting. They need a giant. They got Andre. It was, uh, he was a different kind of, but he could also be a very lonely man. I mean, being that big is, is very hard. You know, you can't fit in the showers. You can't fit in cars. You, know, you sit on toilets, sometimes it break. I mean, you know, a, a tough life for a big man. So he could be a lonely guy, too. And, uh, you know, but also he, he drank a lot, but, you know, he was, grew up in France drinking all the 
five anyway. So, but I had a good relationship with Andre. Actually, I, I worked with Andre very early in my career under a mask over in Hawaii. Uh, as guys in the, the the old WWWF would go to Japan and work, they would stop back in Hawaii and do a show for Peter Maivia, the high chief, uh, the Rock's grandfather. And uh, I was working for him. And so I got a chance to work with all the top guys. You know, I, I got crushed in two minutes. But, you know, so I, I had a rapport with Andre before I met him uh, again in uh, WW. And as I start to wind it down here, obviously you're going to be able, if you go to the 2x4 tour and you see Hacksaw in the Northeast coming up this week, you are going to hear a lot about Andre and a lot of good stories. But, you know, I'm going to wind it down a bit here, and I just got to ask because, you know, you've been everywhere. You've wrestled all these amazing guys. Do you have a couple matches that stick out to you as some of your favorites? I know there's been so many great ones, but any real other matches kind of stick out? Oh, yeah, there's... Yeah, without question. Uh, excuse me. Uh, as as you were saying earlier, Royal Rumble. That's what most folks remember. But what's most memorable for me personally was, you know, I grew up in uh, Glens Falls, New York, up above Albany, up in the Adirondack Mountains, uh, up, upstate. And so, as a kid, uh, my dad would drive me down to New York City, me and my three sisters, and we'd go to the circus at Madison Square Garden. You know, so as an adult, to drive up in front of Madison Square Garden and see Hacksaw Jim Duggan versus Andre the Giant. I mean, it was a, a thrill of a life. i got goosebumps right now telling you about it. It was a thrill of a lifetime. You know, in there in front of over 20,000 people with the Giant. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was a, a great uh, night in my career. Awesome career. Awesome, you know, to look back at a larger-than-life guy like Andre and a larger-than-life guy like yourself. Besides Andre, would it be Ted DiBiase as your favorite opponent ever, or, or would it be one-man gang? Who are some of your favorite opponents that you've had in your career? Well, yeah, T- Teddy, of course, was was good. Uh, me and gang, uh, we had some battles, I tell you. Uh, my story and I, didn't, we didn't get along with each other. <laughs> you know, that was at Mid-South territory we chopped a lot of meat down there you know my character evolved over the years or at one point when i was a king of wrestling i was really silly you know i had the cape the crown the flag the board the thumb the tongue the hole and the crossed eyes you know so i went from early in my career to to, to chop and meat and you know just beat the hell out of each other so i realized well if i want longevity with my body and and that's why i, I can still walk you know you see Mick Foley, one of probably a, a great talent, but the guy's so broke up. Uh, he's twelve years younger than me, you know, and he has trouble uh, walking. I tell the young guys, there's there's life after wrestling, so you know, you don't see never saw Axel very much up there on the top rope. <laughs> never see me on the second rope, I don't think. <laughs> now you've been obviously everywhere. Uh, we didn't even mention WCW, but obviously a huge run in WWF. Uh, New Japan, the old WWF with Vince Sr. But was Mid-South your favorite territory to work, or was it for Vince Jr. and the WWF? Uh, it was two different type uh, territories, really. was you know, uh, Mid-South was uh, a fun territory, a lot of fun, a stiff territory. You know, you lost a bar fight, you got fired. Like I said before, we were all, we were all single guys. 
you know, Ricky and Robert, uh, Terry Taylor, Magnum TA, One Man Gang, I mean, Jake the Snake, Junkyard Dog. We had a great group of guys down there. Uh, Ricky uh, or uh, Sean and Marty, you know, I mean, it was uh, unbelievable, the crew we had. And uh, and that was a lot of fun. And, of course, WWF was a different level. I mean, people always try to compare you to a sports team. And I said, no, you were like a rock and roll band. I mean, it was. You'd be on a Learjet, fly to Paris, boom, do a show, fly to London, boom. You'd be out at Stringfellows in London partying with Mike Douglas and Grace Jones and movie stars, politicians, fly to New York, and then next night you'd be in Minot, North Dakota. <laughs> you'd be like, what the hell? <laughs> what what a cast of characters. Just to hear every single one of them, it's a, a veritable... Who's who? But before we hit the big plug again for the dates for the two by four tour, we'd like to end it in, with this great kind of introspective question, and that is: when you look back at your career, and obviously you still do independent shots here and there, but what is the legacy of Hacksaw Jim Duggan left in professional wrestling? Uh, I just hope my uh, rapport with the fans. I mean, like I said, it's. I just I was just did a uh, an appearance in Las Vegas at a, a trade show and I'm sitting there and there was a line and you could see this one guy who's back of the line is a big guy rough looking tough man he waits his line he comes up he grabs my hand he shakes my hand he got real hard calloused hands he looks me hard in the eye he goes hacksaw me and my dad we used to watch you wrestling and he got t- I mean it's it's humbling to be remembered the way I am, and I can't tell the folks how much I appreciate it. And that's why I, I enjoy these uh, these stand-up tours, you know. It's, uh, it's, it's fun for me. It's so awesome, and you're playing such classic comedy venues like the Stress Factory and the Brokerage and the Comedy Connection, and you'll be hitting great cities like New Brunswick, New Jersey, East Providence, Rhode Island, Chicopee, Massachusetts. But as we wrap it up here, could you please give us one huge plug here for the 2x4 tour? And again, what the fans can expect and any other place that they can see Hacksaw Jim Duggan in the world of professional wrestling and out there on the, uh, the old stand-up comedy stage. Yeah, well, hi, folks. I'm WWE Hall of Famer Hacksaw Jim Duggan. And if you'd like to have a fun night out hearing knock-knock jokes and jokes about your grandmother, go somewhere else! But if you want to hear some great wrestling stories about Jake the Snake Roberts, Andre the Giant, Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man, come on down to the Hacksaw Jim Duggan Tour. We're taking in five cities in the Northeast, a Q&A, a meet-and-greet before the show, a positive look at pro wrestling. Great business for me, and I hope it's a fun night for you. Or just go sit in a movie for three hours. Come on down and have a good time, tough guy, and give me a ho! <laughs> ho! Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Gotta work on that ho, kid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in an office right now, so you got to give me what I, I can know, do it's here. All right, man. But thank you so much for joining us. The the pleasure has been absolutely all ours. And anybody who's going to this tour, you are going to be in for one hell of a night. And you better work on your hoe before you walk through the door or else you're going to be getting a two-by-four across the uh, the back of the neck there. <laughs> well, thanks for the plug, guys. Nice talking to you. And uh, keep uh, plugging wrestling. Uh, people love wrestling out there. Oh, absolutely. We try. We try our best. Our pleasure. Thank you so much, and we would love to talk to you again in the future. Maybe, who knows, might as well. We might see you down the road at some point. It's the deal. Down the road, my friend. Take care. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. 
ready to take this episode over. And who better to be joined by than a former WWF European champion, a former tag team champion, a former cruiserweight champion. This guy has done it all. And of course, he'll be with us in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania on Saturday, the 22nd at the ECW Arena, now the 2300 Arena, as we get the band back together one more time. And we have a full-fledged NWO Wolfpack plus one other guy reunion as we are joined today by the one and only X-Pac 6, Sean Waltman. Thank you so much for joining the two-man power trip of wrestling. What's up, fellas? And, hey, I know it's a pain in the ass getting me to do this. <laughs> I'm so sorry, you guys. Just want to put that out there like in public. So, uh, But I, you guys have a great show. Uh, so now you, rep- you have a good reputation. And uh, I'm glad you guys are bringing us in, man. And and bringing uh, bringing Easy E on is that who's coming? Yep, Easy E and the Wolf Pack, a great combination. Awesome. So what's up, man? What do you want to talk about? Well, let's talk about what it's like to get the four of you, more specifically the Wolf Pack, together under one roof. Let's start there. What's it like when the three of you get together, and especially in an environment where you're going to be meeting fans, taking pictures, signing autographs, the whole Wolf Pack experience? But what's it like when the three of you get together? Well, just in general, when any of us are at work, well, I mean, it's hard to call it work, but it is, I mean, you know, it's our profession, but when we're, when we're there, that's when we're, we're really at our best, you know? And then when you add that, like when we're all together, it's a synergistic effect, you know? So it's just, um, it, it's, it's special for us and, and it seems to be special for the people because they keep coming to see us, you know, and it's, it's really, really fun really fun don't mean to sound corny man like you know but that's that's the truth (laughs) well if there's one thing the nwo has done especially to fans like john and i it made us feel cool uh at a time where wrestling was in desperate need of a makeover but when we throw in that extra cog into this situation of easy e eric bischoff the guy who really was the architect behind the scenes of wcw at that point that kind of, I think, steps it up, makes it just a little bit more interesting because now you got the guy who was behind the, you know, the, the surge of the Monday Night War and then basically three of his top lieutenants who just carried that Monday Night War and that NWO banner you know, to the highest extent it possibly could go. And Eric is one of my favorite people to see when I'm out doing things now. When I'm out on the road and uh, you know, at events, uh, whether it be at the at the Hall of Fame ceremony at WrestleMania uh, this year, or just you know Comic Cons, or, or or you know at at the show we're doing this weekend, Icons of Wrestling, because uh, uh, you know people that are coming to see us obviously know the history we have, uh, and uh, we weren't each other's favorite people at one time, and uh, now man, he's like legit. Uh, freaking blast to beer he's just a, a really cool guy a really cool guy and he's saying good about the guy I, I hope i'm not ruining his gimmick <laughs> he said the exact same thing about you though so it's the mutual admiration society getting together here and you two are definitely uh back on the same page uh which is well, really what, what, should we what should we, should we pretend like we still have heat will that make it better for the people or they'll like be some more intrigue <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe to some, but no, it's so cool to hear that because he says such sure, great things about you. But, you know, with him being in, in the mix, the three of you, a place that I think it's kind of funny that you're all kind of getting involved in here is the ECW Arena in Philly. 
And I think a lot of fans would have been clamoring for an NWO invasion of this same arena, but 20 years ago. You think that's kind of cool, the three of you getting together, but in a city like Philadelphia? Well, you know, Philly is one of the uh, one of the capitals of uh, professional wrestling in the world. You know, I mean, there's a, it's actually might, I don't know, arguably might be the capital. You know, I, mean, I guarantee you the people of Philly will say that. And, uh, and you know, it's a, I'll tell you this much, you know where you stand with those people. If you're not bringing it, if you're not all in and bringing everything you got, they'll, they're going to let you know. And they should, you know? Uh, and so, uh, you know, we like being around. We like, I like performing and, and uh, being around people like that, you know, that. So, um, I don't know. We, back then, um, when, uh, you know, when the whole ECW thing was going on, I don't know what what the hell we were. <laughs> I think we were in DX by then, actually. Weren't we? Well, yeah, definitely in DX by then, but I mean, ECW was running down WCW forever, and obviously the big thing that came out of ECW was the BWO, which included a parodied version of Six, so it was really, uh, I don't know, it's kind of the heyday of both, really, at, at one point. And the thing is, it's some people are like, oh, what do you think of that, uh, doing an impression of you, and like, how do you guys feel about that? Are you kidding me? We love that. Anytime somebody is going out of their way to impersonate you, even if it's set, you know, like uh, they're making fun of you, whatever it is, man, there's, it's, to me, that's cool. I, I dig that. And um, so, I don't know. There was, that, that, I always like that. I always like that. And uh, uh, Stevie Richards, uh, Blue Media. I, I used to see Blue Media around once. Was he going to be there? Yeah, he'll be there. And even uh, Damian Sandow, who was a recent guest of the uh, Xbox One Two Three Sixty show, uh, was a great imitator of Xbox. Yeah, that was man. That was the people actually. When uh, a lot of people told me they thought that it was actually me, until they saw me walk into the frame, a a younger uh, and better shaped version of me, anyways, but and with more (laughs) hair, but. I had, uh, yeah, I had, I had Aaron on the show. Yes. Uh, was it? Damn. It was just yesterday. Yeah. Came out yesterday. Um, and what a great guest he was, man. You know who I had? I, I, I just interviewed today and it's going to be on next week was Darren Young. I had him on today. He was, he was amazing. Some of the stuff that he uh, shared with us was incredible, man. Amazing. Anyways, we're not here to talk about my show. Sorry. <laughs> Well, I do want to talk about you for a second, and I know we made a trip down uh, to West Virginia together, and I was able to ask you this, but I always want to ask you on air. You are probably, yeah, yep, okay, and also, yeah, it was a nice, fun trip. But I wanted to ask you on this on air because you're the most underrated talent, possibly of all time, if you think about this: key cog in the NWO, and then a key cog in DX. Do you ever feel like you're a little underappreciated because when the when you left the NWL they went downhill. When you went to DX they went uphill. Um, there's been times in my life where I felt like I didn't get you know proper credit or I didn't you know. Uh, I think that just had to do more with how where I was, uh, you know, mentally at the time. I, I don't feel like that at all now. 
at all. I think I'm getting proper credit. I mean, yeah, some people, they're not their cup of tea. Some people actually, like, just, you know, don't like to the opposite of like me. I don't like to use the word hate, but I imagine there are some people that do. Um, crazy enough. But uh, no, man, I really don't. The get to the actual answer to that question. No, I feel, I'm okay with, with where I, you know, the credit I've gotten. A little, okay, actually, you know what? I'll take that back. There's a, there's actually a couple things here and there um, that, uh, like the the um, the cruiserweight classic tournament on the WWE Network. They didn't even really mention me at all in uh, the history of cruiserweight wrestling in the world, let alone the United States. So that was kind of a bummer, you know. So like little things like that. Uh, but the thing that you have to that or that I have to keep in mind, and I do, uh, is you know um, I've had kind of a you know my past. There was there was a, about a decade there where I was wandering around in the darkness. So um, uh, you know it, it hasn't been that long for a lot of people since I've uh, been doing damn good in my life. So I can understand why people might still be apprehensive to give me well, credit for things. Definitely. And we talked to Eric and Eric basically said, and I, and I kind of, you know, I was leading into the conversation too, but he kind of took the words right out of my mouth. I said, when you fired him, you know, he quote, quote unquote, couldn't cut the mustard brother. And he went to the NWL, uh, the, to DX. He legitimized DX. He got triple H over and then he got DX over. And it was a huge coup for WBF and Vince McMahon at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 you know, all these things being in the right place at the right time to just, I mean, everything was just, I've had some really good timing in my career, you know, and just really cool things like, uh, being in on that W or that one, two, three kid angle, you know, the raise that come on that there's not a, how can you come in, uh, as somebody, my size and age and, and all that, uh, can you imagine a better way to come in than coming in like that? You know, so that um, being able to go and be part of the NWO at that at that time, you know, all these things, man, and and then coming back and yeah, just um, not just it's it's not just luck, but uh, but it's been a lot of good fortune though, along with all Absolutely. the hard work and everything. So yeah absolutely I mean quite a career like you we said before with you know the one two three kid with Scott Hall what a debut dx the NWO. Yeah. not many guys can look around in their career usually you know they'll just have one one great spot it's almost like he was like the debut was great the NWO dx you feel you know you had just an awesome career as far as looking back and seeing all those high spot moments i I have I've had an amazing career and I mean I'm not going to look back at those you know, several years there where I, you know, you know, like I said, walking, walking around the darkness, but, um, it's not over, man. Like I'm slowing down like for like a strategic reason, like as far as the amount of matches I'm doing, um, I, I'm, I'm, it's far from over for me. Trust me. There's going to be bigger things. Just wait. Oh, I can't imagine. We've all seen the pictures that are floating around of the insane shape that you've gotten yourself in, and that is uh, that is very cool to see. But I'd like to, if we can, just turn to the podcast for one second because 
this has been really cool to see how, you know, the, the amount of wrestlers that now are getting into the podcast game is very, very cool. But I think your show really is a lot different than a lot of the other wrestlers. I don't personally listen to a lot of the wrestler podcasts because I feel like they have the same guests on. Whereas you, I really feel like you get the pulse of what's going on in the business and you pick like such great guests to have on. Have you really enjoyed doing the podcast so far with what you've accomplished in just a short amount of time? Oh, it's been so good, man. And like so many cool things have come from it. And uh, my co-host, Christy, uh, Christy Olson, she's now Christy St. Cloud. She's in NXT. Uh, she's going to be huge. Um, huge. Like Donald Trump says, uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, other, like just, you know, a lot of so many cool things have come from uh, being here and doing this. And just in the the show I do with Maria Menounos in the morning, I'm blessed to be, uh, be able to do that with her. And, uh, show I the tomorrow show I do with Kevin Nundergaro, which I'm going to be going to, and doing in a couple hours now. Don't know who the guest we're going to have, but uh, you know, we got George, we had George Takei on. We had uh, oh oh god, oh who was it? People, you know, like all kinds of crazy people. Are Corey on. Feldman. Yeah, Corey Feldman was just on. So, I mean, that just gives you, you know, it's it's all over the map. It's fun. We dress up in Star Trek costumes, and it looks like we're on the bridge of the Enterprise. So, yeah, man, it's I'm I'm having a great time, and I'm proud of the show, and I'm proud of uh, the fact that you know uh, I think we I have a great production uh, production team here, um, Jimbo and, and everyone here. Uh, Mark Donica, uh, just everyone. Josh is in the booth right now, but uh, just the resources I have, and, and it's not just a podcast. You know, it's a video. Like you, uh, you know, we have a great studio here, and, and and like our guests, a lot of times are in studio. So, and you know, we show video clips of, of things, and it just it really enhances the uh, uh, the show. So it's cool, man. And I'm uh, thank you for bringing that up, but and let me talk about that. Oh, without a doubt. It's absolutely, uh, it's great to see. I mean, I'm telling you, it's, it's something that like, it's, we, we saw you in September and you hadn't, I don't even think you had started it yet, but to see how far it's come in just a short amount of time is fantastic. But I guess, you know, the only suitable follow-up would be, is that, is it kind of what you expected or did you go to, After Buzz is great. I will say that right now. And that's not just blowing smoke with what they do, but did you have an idea of what you wanted to do when you put the show together with After Buzz? Uh, Sort of, but the the truth is, is like a lot of this vision was Kevin Undergaro's. He's a genius, um, and uh, so uh, just like you know, putting Christy with me and uh, having Jimbo in here, and just uh, the formula that he came up with for me, and it's and it's really uh, it's really uh, been able to like just to highlight you know my my strengths at this and and help cover up some of my weaknesses. <laughs> I have a few. So I have a few brain farts here and I've been hitting the head a lot. So every now and again, somebody has to come to my rescue. You guys <laughs> like you right now. <laughs> As we, uh, we started to hit the wind down button. I got to ask, do you have a favorite guest that you've interviewed on your show? Wow. You know what? Cause I, like I keep thinking that every time, like damn near every week. And Wow. Dallas Page was great. Like, oh, come on, man. I'm going to. Okay. The one that I just interviewed, Darren Young, today was a really, really special special interview. It was it was amazing. Uh, 
mix of all like it wasn't just talking about you know the issues that he deals with and you know like coming out uh, uh you know being openly gay and all that it's it you know it's it's got a good mix of everything and you know with the wrestling and so uh it it, it was really really cool and he was he was so generous with some of the things he told us and uh, uh pretty grateful and then, and that's with everyone like that's been on you guys it's like you know when i get my friends on here um they're really really open and willing to share and and that's how i am too when i come when i do shows so uh, and it really it makes for some you know cool listening. So. Absolutely. Now, as far as your career is concerned, I mean, there's so many like we mentioned before, so many high spots: NWO, DX, uh, the debut with as one, two, three kid against Hall, I and mean, so many different things. But do you have a favorite match, or maybe a couple of favorite matches that stick out? Maybe even against your old arch nemesis Dean Malenko, or, or something like that. So besides the the run of the mill like one answer that I give all the time to this question, yes, come on, yeah, 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 yeah one like yeah, yeah. underrated kind of guy. is too. <laughs> like an underrated big guy though, not 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 your uh, typical yeah, answer it. that you normally give. Um, yeah. Ooh, and you know what? That Dean Malenko match from Super Bowl was a hell of a match. From as far as I'm concerned, they had a great, you know, the crowd told us it was pretty damn good um ugh. man so many i'm trying to think of something does it have to be a wwe match or a wcw no no nope man there's a match i had with jerry lynn and tna that was pretty damn good and any match i had with aj styles there was pretty damn good so absolutely uh, I, I think there was a match circulating on uh, youtube from you and Jerry, I think it was from like '92. I want to say from like Global. No, I that just was '91. No, and that was from a bar in in, uh, in Minnesota, and we beat the <laughs> hell out of each other. Yeah, and uh, and um, uh, and oh crap! Now I had to see one of those brain farts. Oh, uh, whatever, man. I can't think of it now. There's there's a lot of cool stuff. Um, yeah. I don't know. You tell me. What do you think? Let me let oh me out. What do you guys think? This is just a random up. one. This is a random one that I love. It's it's a six yeah. man, and and I think you know where I'm going with this one. Six man with you, Hall Nash, against Kevin Green, Flair, and Piper. Yeah. The crowd is nuts. Yeah, that's one of my go-to like favorite matches that I talk about. I thought you were gonna mention like I thought you wanted me to mention something a little bit more obscure, but yes. That's one of my all-time favorite matches I was involved in, and you know, there's a really cool, well, it's a really, that there's this uh, neat story. Like it wasn't really fun for like for them at the time because they didn't think we, we told them we weren't putting them over in that match. Like that, we made it clear that no, that's we're not doing the job, and so they were hot the whole time, you know, and uh, and I'm abbreviating the story, you guys. But and then once we actually got there, and you know all the stuff that went down, you know, leading up to that, and all the name calling yep. and like the yep. and stuff that happened, and uh, you know it was very serious. Like there was legit, legit heat, like in, in that. And I think it was obvious. I think people could tell. That's why the heat was. I mean, it was just incredible in the building. That and Flair was just coming back after almost a year, and it's Charlotte, um, and so. We, we get there and they think we're not going to put them over. And 
obviously you saw the finish. You know, we all three laid down and, and got beat one, two, three, all at the same time. So they went from being just like not happy at all. I'm, I'm being nice about it. And uh, <laughs> to being about as happy as pigs and, you know, shiz. So uh, that's how you do it. And we went out there and made them look like a million bucks. I mean, the whole freaking match. I mean, we got very little heat on those guys. It was shine, 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 shine. I mean, we got some good heat. But, um, you know, it was a, it was a, I'm very proud of that. Very proud of that and the, the tag match that, uh, from the action zone that doesn't get seen by very many people. Um, if you, you might have seen it on the click DVD, on the extras, it's, uh, Razor and I versus, versus, Sean and, and Kev when he was Diesel, and uh, it's I I challenge you to tell, find me a better tag match, you know. Um, after watching it, it was it was pretty darn good. So. That was uh, that was actually what I was going to say when you were done because that is uh, that is what that's the only match basically in the history of the Action Zone that I was actually a competitive competitive match, and now we look at it as like the click divided as you guys took on each other. But, yeah, that is one of the best matches of that era, not even just uh, the Action Zone, but just that era period because it was uh, it had everything. And I believe also in the Westchester County Center, which uh, you guys used to run all the time. Yeah, it was dead. The crowd was just like they were spent by the time we got out there, and we, we jacked them back up. It was, oh, wow. We were, we were so, like, we were on cloud nine coming back from the, from the ring after that. Oh man, talk about a buzz. <laughs> and that here we go now. The after buzz is the NWO reunion this Saturday in Philadelphia. If you're not there, you are going to be missing out because uh if you didn't know it is for life and Easy E Eric Bischoff and at the shoot it's for life. That's right. Sean Waltman and of course the Outsiders Hall Nash all be in Philly at the Icons of Wrestling. We've been pumping it up for months. Now it's time for it to happen. Sean, thank you so much for taking the time to come out and please, you know, share with the listeners where they can find everything in the world of Sean Waltman. Yeah, it's not that it's just at the real X-Pac on Twitter. Uh, my, I got some X-Pac one, two, three, sixty, like, uh, Instagram and, and, and all that. Um, I think it's, it's, oh man, don't put me on the spot. I'm not used to, I'm used to having like my co-host. At X-Pac one, two, three, sixty on Instagram and on Facebook by his tees at pro wrestling tees dot com slash sean waltman xbox one two three sixty shirts follow him on twitter at the real xbox check out the xbox one two three sixty show every wednesday at three o'clock on after buzz tv and on itunes next week's guest is darren young sweet jimbo that's what's up that's why see see what i mean you guys <laughs> look at jimbo being the voice of god there that was uh that was pretty good saving the day but sean we look forward to saturday it's going to be one hell of a time and uh Thanks for uh, getting us done. It was, uh, it was well worth it. Thanks for Thank you for telling us what to do. Yeah. Thank you for telling us what to win. <laughs> Think you better? Yeah. Well, you better get ready to bow to the master. Stop.